0: happen? How, God, how could this happen? We, uh, it, 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 do you ask that? Do you ask that even kind of deep within where you don't want to admit it to somebody? How could this happen? Whether it's the pandemic and the, and the political landscape or the civil unrest or, or if it's something more personal in your life, how could this happen? Now, as a general rule, sin is to blame. Sin is to blame. Now, when I say that, I say that because everything in the world is infected and affected by sin. Death was not the original plan. It came in with sin. And so sin is, is, uh, is the ultimate problem. But, you know, it's not always your sin that causes something. You know, um, sin always has a victim. Always. Sometimes the victim is the sinner and others. Sometimes the victim has, has, not, has not had any part in the sin. Proof? Jesus. Jesus was completely without sin, yet he died for your sin and mine. And so sin always has a victim. And sometimes the the, the victim is the sinner, and sometimes it's, it's those around the sinner. Uh, for instance, uh, sometimes the the. Sometimes the tragedy happens because of someone else's sin. Uh, for instance, a suicide bomber or a mass shooting. Somebody else's sin, but it has victims. Sin always has a victim. And so sometimes we're the victim of our own sin. But sometimes life's just hard. Sometimes stuff comes at us that, that we just stop and ask God, how could this happen? Well, I bring this up this morning because Lamentations, the book of Lamentations, is, is the the literal title of it in Hebrew is how. How? How, God? How could this happen? How? That's the literal title of the book of Lamentations. And, And we're not the first to ask, so we're not the first to ask this question, are we? Jeremiah asked it, and Habakkuk asks it. And the psalmists ask it. And and Isaiah asks it. It, it, It's throughout Scripture. Asking God, how could this happen? So as we read Lamentations, and we're just going to read a couple of verses of it today. But as we read it, I want you to be thinking about how, how could this happen? So Lamentations chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 22. And it is up here behind me. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for His mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say, the Lord is my portion, therefore I put my hope in Him. So as we look our our way through this, and we're going to begin with a context as usual, um, the context is really kind of important in this instance, because... Uh, first of all, the book of Lamentations does not tell us who the author is. It doesn't say the Lamentations of Jeremiah, although some English translations actually title the book that. The, the book itself doesn't have that. What we have is this statement of, in, in, uh, in 2 Chronicles 35, it says, Jeremiah also uttered a lament for Josiah. And all the singing men and singing women have spoken of Josiah in their la- in their laments to this day. They made these a rule in Israel. Behold, they are written in the laments. And so, the idea being that, that Jeremiah wrote these, and it sounds like Jeremiah if you read it. Jeremiah weeps and cries and wails, and that's what Lamentations is all about. The weeping and crying and wailing of, of, of what's going on at that time. Now, you probably, I told my wife, you're probably going to think I misspelled this word, right? But it's, been, it's written as an acrostic on the Hebrew Aleph Bet, not the alphabet, the Aleph Bet. Because Aleph and, and Bet are the first two letters of the Hebrew Aleph Bet. So, no, it's not misspelled. That's actually right. It's the Hebrew Aleph Bet. And it's, so it's written as an acrostic. Um, like uh, Psalm 119 is written that way. This is written that way. In each of the chapters, you see the Hebrew Alephbed. And it's written during a time of the destruction of Jerusalem. Now, I want you to... Uh, this is why I say the, 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 the context is critical to our understanding of these verses. Because it's 586 B.C., and Jerusalem has been surrounded by Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar. It's been surrounded by Babylon. And it is being crushed from the outside and from the inside. The, uh, things are, are, are going terribly. They're starving to death inside Jerusalem. In fact, the, uh, the historian Josephus said that, that, that families were eating their own children in order to survive this time. They were, they'd been under siege so long, they were starving to death. And, and then eventually, Nebuchadnezzar and, and, and Babylon breaks through the walls and destroys Jerusalem. So do you see why Jeremiah might be saying, how could this happen, God? How could this happen to the people of God? How could this happen to the city of God? How could this happen? Can you see how Jeremiah would be thinking that? And then yet, all the way through, we have these statements like these verses that we read today that that are absolute trust in the love of God and in the mercy of God and in the faithfulness of God and in the hope of God. In the midst of this, in the midst of what Jeremiah is witnessing, he, he proclaims the love of God and he proclaims the mercy of God and the faithfulness of God. And the hope that he has in God, in the midst of the city being torn down, in the midst of watching the people of God be destroyed, Jeremiah has this to say, and he says it actually in several uh, several places in Lamentations. We're just going to pick this one this morning. Now, interestingly, uh, more uh, I get into the history of this stuff, the cultural uh, context, and the cultural context is really interesting. The uh, Lamentations in the Hebrew Bible is not next to Jeremiah. It's in the writings. It's with Ruth and, and Esther and Song of Songs and Ecclesiastes and, and, uh, and this Lamentations. And as I said earlier, the, the title in Hebrew literally is the word how. How? How could this happen? How could this happen to the city of God? How could this happen to the people of God? How could this happen? Now, in the writings, being in the writings, these writings—Ruth and Esther and and and, uh, and Lamentations—these are all read at certain times on Jewish holidays throughout the year. This uh, this is read at the the day of that they celebrate or the day that they mourn the fall of Jerusalem. The ninth of Av is what it is, uh, Tishah Av, uh, or Av is how it's said in Hebrew. And, <clears throat> and here's what I, what I found interesting, is according to Jewish tradition, it was the ninth of Av when Moses and the people were told they were going to wander the wilderness 40 more years. Ninth of Av. Then we have the destruction of Jerusalem in 586. Then the destruction of, of Jerusalem again, and the temple in 70 A.D. by the Romans, also on the ninth of Av. And and all the way into to our uh, time, World War II and the Holocaust began with Germany declaring war on Russia on the 9th of Av, and so it's still a day today that is that is it's a day of fasting and mourning for for any Jew. It's a day of fasting and mourning. The destruction of Jerusalem and all of these other things that have happened since. So let's, uh, there, there's, there's a theme to each of these, and, and I wanted to look at the four things that it says about God, his faithful love, his mercy, his faithfulness, and his hope. And so I'm going to look at those individually as we go along. So his love, or his faithful love. I've talked about this word before in Hebrew, it's the, it's the, the word chesed. This word is, is, in your English Bible, it may be loving kindness, it may be mercy, it may be steadfast love, faithful love. It's said so many different ways. It's translated so many different ways. And with every Hebrew word, there's a picture. And the picture here is a mother coddling her child. So, so picture in your mind a mother coddling her baby, nurturing her baby. That's the picture For the love of God that we're given here. That's the love that, that God has for you. Can you picture yourself being coddled and nurtured by God? Would that help you through a rough time? A time when it seems like everything is being destroyed around you. Does it help you to think that God is literally coddling you? and nurturing you as his child. I think we need this picture sometimes. I think we need to be reminded of the kind of love that God has for us, maybe especially in dark times like we have today. Because I, I, I want to remind you again of the context. Jeremiah wrote this as he watched people starve to death. And he watched people die of disease. And he watched the people of God be wiped out and the city of God be wiped out by Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. That's when when Jeremiah chooses to write about the coddling, nurturing love of God. We need this picture. He needed this picture. And I think we need this picture as well. Mercy is the next one there. And and the Hebrew word for mercy comes from the root that means womb. So we're not out of the idea of a mother here and her child. It comes from the root word that means womb. And so still picturing the mother, does a mother have mercy on her infant? Absolutely. Does a mother have love for her infant? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's also translated in some places, bowels. And so what you get here is, is a gut-level compassion for someone. Have you, ever, have you ever seen someone in such hurt that you hurt? That's the, that's the mercy that's being described here. I know some of you have the gift of mercy or the curse of mercy, if you, <laughs> it is, it is sometimes I think what it is. And, and so you literally feel the pain of others. This, this kind of mercy is that, that in the pit of your stomach feeling of compassion for someone. That's the compassion, the mercy that God has for you and I. And then it says it, it, it never ends. It has no end. It has no edges. It has no beginning. It has no end. We can't escape it. You can't get far enough away from the mercy of God. You can't outrun it. You can't outuse it because it's new every morning. Now, the idea of new here isn't like something that's never existed. It is a refill. It's a refresh. So we are literally refilled and refreshed with mercy every day by God. You can't outrun it. You can't can't get to the edge of it. You can't outuse it. The mercy of God is, is always with us like a mother, like the a, like a, a, a womb around a child, the, mother, uh, the mother's womb around a child. So what I think is new every morning is the proof of his mercy. If we look, we see the things that happen or the things that don't happen to us and see the mercy of God in a new way every day. His mercy's not new. It's just been refilled and refreshed for us. But I think there's new proof of his mercy every day. If we just look, we just have eyes to see. That's the mercy God has for you. That's the mercy that's promised in this verse. And I think we need to be reminded of this mercy for us. Because we tend to think that we can get outside it. We tend to think that we can do too much or ask too much of it. And that's not possible. It is endless and refilled and refreshed for you every day. You can't get away from the mercy of God. And then it talks about his faithfulness. Now, does it strike you when you think about the context here that Jeremiah makes a statement, great is your faithfulness, when he's watching the city of God being destroyed and the people of God being destroyed? Is that the time you and I would say, great is the faithfulness of God? Probably not. But he does. Because God's faithfulness is never questioned in Scripture. Never. He is the covenant-keeping God. He is... Absolutely faithful. It is, he is faithful regardless of whether we are or not. He is faithful to his people even when they are not. When they are going against the covenant they have with him, he is still faithful to the covenant and to his people. We can't outrun the mercy of God and we can't outrun the faithfulness of God. We can't outsin the faithfulness of God. It's not possible. He's absolutely faithful. We can trust the faithfulness of God to carry us through times like we live in right now. We know he's faithful. We know that that his plan will happen. We know he is faithful to the covenant that we have with him. In Jesus Christ. So we, we, have, we have boundless love, endless mercy, and absolute faithfulness in God. And the next one's hope. Now, this word is, is different than what, the way we use this word today in our English language. Uh, it, it, it's translated hope or wait or expect. Uh, a better, probably modern day. Uh, translation of this word would be assurance. Because we use the word hope like the, like the word wish. I hope I win the lottery. <laughs> or, or I hope I get this job. Or I hope uh, this happens. That, that Those are wishes. This hope is an assurance. It is knowing something is going to happen even if it hasn't happened yet. It's based upon the boundless love of God, the endless mercy of God, and the absolute faithfulness of God. That's what gives us hope. We have hope because of who God is. God is faithful because of who he is. We have hope in him because of who he is. So, you know, to to borrow a a line from a Mercy Me song, there ain't no storm that can change how this ends. It doesn't... Do you think you think covid caught God off guard you think he went oh man I didn't see that coming no and nothing can change how this ends I'll give you a, a spoiler alert we win we win and nothing changes that nothing that happens between now and then changes the 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 love of God, the mercy of God, the faithfulness of God, or the hope that we have in God, the assurance that we have in God. Nothing changes that. So what's the comfort and challenge of this verse or this passage? I think the comforts are obvious. that The love of God, the, the boundless love of God, the endless mercy of God, the absolute faithfulness of God and the absolute assurance we, of hope we have in God. Those are, those are great, chal, uh, or great comforts in this verse, especially in times like we live. The challenge is to take our eyes off the situation and put them on God. Jeremiah had to do that to write this, don't you think? He's watching the destruction of Jerusalem. He's watching the destruction of of the people of God, he had to take his eyes off that and focus on God to be able to write this, to be able to say that, that the love of God is boundless, that the mercy of God is endless, that the absolute faithfulness of God and the hope, the assurance that he has in God, all of those things are because he took his eyes off the situation and put them on God. There is absolutely no doubt of his love for you. There is absolutely no doubt of his mercy. There is absolutely no doubt of his faithfulness. There is absolutely no doubt of the hope we have in him. As we look around in the world today, does the does COVID-19 pandemic challenge the love or mercy or faithfulness or hope of God? No. Does the political landscape today challenge the love or mercy or faithfulness or hope of God? No. Does, does civil unrest that we're, we're seeing all around our country does it challenge the love or mercy or faithfulness or hope that we have in God? No. What it does is it challenges our trust in the love and the mercy and the faithfulness and the hope of God. It challenges our trust. Will you trust the God of love? Will you trust the God of mercy? Will you trust the God that is absolutely faithful? Will you trust and put your hope entirely in him? That's what these verses challenge us to do. That's what these times that we live in challenge us to do. And so I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. Will you trust the love of God that is boundless? Will you trust the mercy of God that is endless? Will you trust the absolute faithfulness of God, that he, His plan will come true? And will you put your hope entirely in Him? Take a moment right now and do just that. Tell God you trust His love. Tell God you trust His mercy. Tell God you trust His faithfulness. Tell God that your hope, your assurance, is in him. Father, we thank you for these verses, a reminder of who you are and a a reminder of who we are in light of who you are. A reminder of your love, for us your mercy for us your absolute faithfulness to us and the hope that we have in you keep us mindful of that draw us back to these these verses this passage when it seems dark and when we seem besieged and overwhelmed bring us back to these verses we ask in the name of Jesus Amen.